You're listening to the voice of Rowan Prof Sports. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your host, WGLS-FM Sports Director, Jack Miller. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM and online RowanRadio.com. Channel 2, welcome everyone to this Wednesday edition of Offsides. I'm your host, WGLS Sports Director, Jack Miller, and I'm joined with three fantastic guests with me. One of them is one of our hosts for Offsides, but I am joined with Aaron Hook, who is our Monday host for Offsides, as well as Josh Ayers and Aiden Ray. Guys, how are we feeling? It's already dark on campus, as we've been mentioning the past few weeks since the clocks have turned over. Uh, a lot of us are uh, pretty drowsy, but we're trying to hang in there here on this Wednesday. Aaron, how are you feeling? You're a uh, I joined you for Monday Offsides, and now you're returning the favor here on this Wednesday edition of Offsides. Yeah, you uh, you took the words right out of my mouth there. I, I was going <laughs> to say, you know, I had to repay the favor. Um, yeah, similar to how you felt on, on Monday, man. It's been a long time since I've been uh, on the other side of this desk here as an Offsides guest. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, spring semester of my freshman year, I, Offsides was, uh, was a really, really good time for me just to kind of, you know, um, get my voice out there and uh, express some of my sports opinions and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. It it's is, always fun being a guest on Offsides. It is, it is always fun being a guest. I had fun, my fun on Monday, so uh, now you can have your fun on Wednesday. So, Josh, Aiden, how are you guys doing uh, here in the conference studio? You guys are in the other room, but you guys, are, we're we're still having fun here on this offsides. We got a lot to get to with football and then later basketball. Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun so far, especially f- football wise, which I didn't think would be possible after how my team started. But on Monday, I was going through a roller coaster of emotions that I'll further get into once we uh, get on that topic. Yeah, let's uh, let's get let's get right into it because I'm, it is your Broncos. So um, the Bron- you you got to explain though, Ayers, why you are a Broncos fan because we're in. Glassboro. I mean, I know, but the people that are listening don't know. So you got to explain your reasoning for liking the Broncos. Yeah, for the people that don't know, actually, uh, my cousin was actually drafted by the Broncos first round at a Tennessee. His name was Robert Ayers, and if you're a Giants fan, you might remember him because he, you guys, signed him to a real big contract. Even if you're a Bucks fan, you might remember him a little bit too because he also signed a contract with them. But yeah, he got drafted back in 2009, and I've just been a Broncos fan ever since. It's a good story to have. I mean, having one of your cousins as your uh, as a draft pick, not even just in any draft pick, first round. That's that's crazy to uh, to of a story to have. But the Broncos they beat the Buffalo Bills. Something I wasn't expecting to be saying here on Wednesday, Aaron, because we were talking about oh, it should be uh, a cakewalk for the Bills, but also uh, if the Bills lose, this it kind of makes or break their season and. It honestly is because they're they're kind of scrambling and they just fire their offensive coordinator of Ken Dorsey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ken Dorsey out the door and uh, Joe Brady is going to take over play calling duties, uh, at least in the interim. Uh, I think Joe Brady actually has kind of an interesting background. He was um, actually, I don't believe he was the offensive coordinator, uh, quote unquote, but I believe he was involved in the passing game uh, for that famous. 2019 LSU team with uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. So he's got some really good pedigree. He was in Carolina as well as their offensive coordinator a couple years ago. Didn't work out. He was uh, with Matt Rule there. So now he kind of gets another shot here with Buffalo. And um, I think he's really got an opportunity to turn the Bills season around, at least offensively. Um, Because, you know, their offense is, is clearly the strength of their team. However, it, it, it hasn't been enough to where they've been able to overcome some of the defensive problems they've had um, against a Denver defense that, uh, Josh, I know you know the Broncos have been playing well recently, um, but a Denver defense that I think we can all agree uh, is not that great. Um, 22 points, um, again, eight points in the first half. They were trailing by a touchdown at halftime, and the Broncos um, on – uh, a cr- just a crazy ending that I mean has to 
drive Sean McDermott just up a wall. The fact that the Bills gave them a second chance to go and win the game, having an extra man on the field. It's just, it, it, it's such an amateur mistake to make. And the Bills falling to 5-5 five and five at this point in the season. Um, you know, now all of a sudden a team that was expected to be competing for the division, uh, they're a game out of a wild card spot. And so we'll see where the Bills go from here. They obviously, as we know, or at least as I know, have the Jets on Sunday. It'll be a big divisional game. But, yeah, there are certainly – and this has been, you know, no um, secret as well. You know, people in the media have been saying this for the last few weeks, really. Um, And you can point to multiple games on their schedule as to why. But there is certainly something off uh, in Buffalo. There is definitely something off. But I want to get into – the roller coaster of emotions that you felt airs because it, it had to have been such ex- an exciting moment just to see them march down the field. They get in field goal range. Now they're quickly coming onto the field to kick a field goal. Then they choke the field goal. Then you get blessed with an extra man on the field penalty. And now you're like, holy crap, now we can actually potentially win this. And then he just drains it round, right down the pipe. So with h- how how are you feeling in just kind of each of those moments? Because this was had to be a lot of highs and especially a pretty, pretty uh, decent amount of lows as well. Yeah. I mean, for me, I feel like it was just like each team was just trying its hardest to like lose the game, like give the team, give the win to the other team, essentially, especially the Broncos. Cause there were so many times the, the bills would turn the ball over it and they'd be at midfield and just go three and out and basically waste the possession, give the bills, just numerous of chances, but they just couldn't capitalize. And on that last drive, especially, I mean, I got I got tip my hat to Russell Wilson. He's really come alive so far. These at least these past three games, I feel like this year overall, he's come alive. And just like the way he was able to like, he didn't have like the craziest numbers, but actually watching the game, like we we don't win that game without Russ. He he made some plays out there, and to get us into field goal range, and then. It was just when we missed the field goal. I was, I was, I honestly wasn't shocked at first because Will Lutz lost us. In my opinion, the game against the Raiders, he lost us that game because he missed the PAT, missed a field goal. So it was. I knew it probably was going to happen, just knowing my luck as a Broncos fan. But then, <laughs> obviously, like you said, we were blessed with the twelve man on the field. That just, it just emphasized like the story of the game for Buffalo. It's just they lost that. They, they, we, with with all the mistakes they made, they still should have won the game, man. But that one last mistake was the reason they lost that game. Yeah, and just going back to the Bills, Aiden, because with the Bills, they fire their offensive coordinator, and I'm not sure if that was really their problem, not even just this season or that game, whatever you want to call it, but it's just been the play calling on both sides, but also it's been the defensive factor. It hasn't been there in any of the close games because the defense can't close out games when it's within one score and it ends up turning into the other team's favor. Do you think they fired potentially the wrong person here? I also kind of think that they really did not fire the wrong person because, of course, yes, the defense did not, like, was not able to get stops at all and, like, try to get the job done, but the offense has been underperforming and not playing to their standards this season. This is this is not how the Buffalo Bills should be playing, even with because you have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. You have you have a good amount of weapons on that offense, and you're just and they're just underperforming to their standards. And it's it's not something the Bills want to. That's not what I want to see from the Bills. Um, for the for those guys. And Aaron, I, but you got to think that my. My point has to be kind of correct because you, you, it's the defensive factor that hasn't been there for the Bills mm-hmm. for whenever they've been in playoff contention, which has been since 2019 since they've gotten Josh Allen. He's developed as this great quarterback, but he doesn't have a defense yeah. behind him. Aiden's right with them not ha- that they're underperforming on offense, but the defense can never pick up the offensive slack not every day the offense is going to be there mm-hmm. not every day the defense is going to be there but it's every close game the defense has not been there yeah especially this year I mean you look at the Bills defense in the past and they've actually been very good um in 2021 they were second in um in DVOA um which is a stat that basically takes total defense and kind of um 
has some adjusted stats as well based on you know how many how many yards you should be giving up and whatever. Buffalo last year was the number one defense in DVOA. Uh, when you look at this year, yeah, the, 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 again defensively, I just don't think they have the playmakers. I, I don't and. You can't really, again, blame this game on the defense um, because the Broncos, offensively, you know, with the way that Russell Wilson has at least, uh, you know, he, he's not the Russ of old. However, Josh has said he's come alive. He's at least given the Broncos a pretty strong baseline um, for them to go out and win games, and Javante Williams is now kind of fully backed into his workload that was expected for him coming off the uh, the injury. Um and they have Cortland Sutton, and they have a guy who you thought they would trade in Jerry Judy. Um, but, yeah, I, I think really with the Bills, man, they, they just find ways to lose, and that is not a good characteristic to have, obviously, as a football team, especially a football team that is in the thick of a, a wild card race all of a sudden, but also a team that was not expected to be in this spot, um, a team that, you know, uh, did hang 48 points on the Miami Dolphins, a team that did score 37 points against the Las Vegas Raiders early in the year. The last three or four weeks, this offense is completely flatlined. We've seen Josh Allen revert back to some of his previous turnover issues. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, I won't say a dark day in Buffalo, but a lot of people are talking about how maybe their championship window is now completely closed, which I'm not totally ready to maybe say that yet. I think as long as you have Josh Allen there and Stefan did you at least have a shot if you can build around them, but they've clearly not put the pieces around them to uh, have them be a complete football team. And it's shown in, in the win loss record. Yeah. And it, uh, Josh, Aaron mentioned a name that I want to get into real quick, Stefan Diggs and his brother actually came out on Twitter saying 14, it's got to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Just paraphrasing, and that's not exactly what he said, but it's it, pretty much, long story short, he wants his brother out of Buffalo. And Stefan Diggs hasn't said anything in regards to that, but it's a good point that Trayvon makes because he Stefan Diggs has been doing wonders for this Bills team since he's gotten on it, and they haven't been going anywhere. But apparently he wants to be on this championship-caliber team that can actually get far into the championship game, maybe even win the championship game and make it to the Super Bowl and even give him a ring. Yeah, I mean, Aaron, like Aaron said, like there's the the championship window is not necessarily close that they do have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, but that's the key word there, if they have Stephon Diggs. Because at this point, it's not we're not sure if, if Stephon Diggs even wants to be in Buffalo anymore because – um, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I believe like he only had three catches against the Broncos. Yeah, Sertan did a really good job on he it. He did. Yeah, yeah, I don't even think it was really – see, me watching the Broncos, they actually don't have Sertan follow the number one receiver. So most of the time it's Which like – It's just mind-boggling to me, uh, right, Josh? I mean <laughs> – it really, it really is. I don't know why, especially you have a guy, like, for example, like Sauce or Sertan. Like you have one of those guys who's so elite, you don't have them follow the number one receiver. But to get back to my point – they just don't use digs for whatever reason, and I feel like Ken Dorsey should have been fired because I feel like they're using him as a as a scapegoat in a sense that they're trying to like, oh, this is he's the reason why Josh Allen isn't playing good. But I always believe, and I believe this when Nathaniel Hackett was coaching Russ, that there's only so much the coach can do. He's not the one throwing the passes. He's not the one making the decisions on who, if he decides to throw a ball, decides to tuck and run, or just like I feel like they're the Bills are using him as a scapegoat and. I think if Stefan Diggs were to leave this Buffalo team, I think, I don't know. I feel like the championship window is closed at that point because we saw what Josh Allen looked like with, without Stefan Diggs. And if he does leave, it's a similar situation because then your number one receiver is Gabe Davis, who had, he had his moments last night, but overall this season has been really disappointing. And also, um, was Dalton Kincaid, I believe his name is. Yeah, like he, Kincaid, he, look, yep. he looks really good, but then you're asking at, at that point, State Diggs does leave next season. You're asking a second-year tight end to take over what Stephon Diggs did. I just I just can't see that being a thing. I feel like if Diggs is gone, which I feel like is really likely because even beginning of the season, we weren't sure if he was going to report. I think the Bills' window is definitely closed. Yeah, it is closing. It's closing rather quickly than we think, but it's it's kind of – odd in a way where I I had a thought but I can't remember what the thought was oh here it is um with Josh Allen Ray 
it's it's not that the turnover problem and the offensive problem. The offensive problem is the turnovers for Josh Allen. But with with Allen, it's not just a Ken Dorsey problem. This happened with Dable with him as well and his previous offensive coordinator since he's been with the Bills. This hasn't been a coaching situation, as Ayers was saying. But it's been a problem that Josh Allen has had even since he's been a rookie. And it's been he's throwing interceptions at a pace that he shouldn't be. He's leading the lead in pitch now. Yeah. 11. And having 11 picks in week 11, and he's considered a top 10 quarterback, that's something under your belt that he shouldn't have at this point in his career. That is very true because you cannot be like, call yourself like a top level quarterback. And of course, now we're 10 weeks in, you have 11 picks. He's, and like, he's not playing at his level that he was playing at like the last few years. Like, he had two interceptions on 177 yards against the Broncos. Like, that is not, like, the stat line you should be putting up. Also, three, the three interceptions he had against the Jets week one, like, that was, like, that was a very underperform. Like, Allen's been underperforming this season. And um, it's just this isn't the Josh Allen we've seen. And then, obviously, and then, of course, I'm something I'm going to have to bring up, like, because I've seen it a lot on, like, social media and stuff, like, is it the Madden curse or what? <laughs> it kind of it could be. I mean, I, I think the one thing Josh Allen <clears throat> is still really good at is avoiding sacks. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's a part of that where he'll avoid a sack, try to extend a play, and we talked about this, Jack. Like, he's got such great physical tools that I think he just forces it a lot of the time. He and, does. Uh, he's been getting, you know, he's been getting um, – did for it this year. I mean, 11 pits um, in 10 games is, is not what you want out of your guy who you paid, what, they give him, $250 million? So Too much. You know. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of money. Um, but it's what's interesting to think about, and we'll get to this after the break, and we'll kind of put a pin on it, is the Colts are in the ninth seed compared to the Bills being in the 10th seed. Both teams are 5-5, five and five, but the Colts have that tiebreaker advantage over the Buffalo Bills. So something you got to look out for when the Colts don't even have their star uh, quarterback of Richardson. So we're going to send it to break, but before we go to break, we have to check the WGLS campus calendar. Roan University's Wellness Center at Winans Hall provides students with quality medical, mental health, and substance abuse services. They also educate students about making healthy choices. The Wellness Center offers integrated health care and 24-7 emergency care through EMS and on-call counseling. For more information about the Wellness Center, students can visit the website rowan.edu slash wellness or call 856-256-4333. Again, that is 856-256-4333. This campus calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, your source for campus news and information. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the Thursday night football matchup and the AFC playoff picture. You don't want to miss it. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This Feature Artist Friday. We're taking a trip down memory lane to celebrate bands that felt the love but eventually went their separate ways. We'll be playing artists like R.E.M., it's the, end of the, world, just the Clash, and more. It's bands that broke up. This Feature Artist Friday on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS FM and online at rowanradio.com. RoanRadio.com, Channel 2, you're tuned into Offsides. I'm your host, WGLS Sports Director Jack Miller, and across the table from me is Monday's host of Offsides, Aaron Hook, and in the conference studio is Aiden Ray and Josh Ayers. We've been talking about the past Monday Night Football game here on Offsides just before the break, 
And now we're going to be talking about Thursday Night Football as we have a very interesting matchup between the Bengals and the Ravens. So guys, this is an interesting Thursday Night Football matchup that these two have to go up against each other. And it's kind of crucial because it's the AFC North battle rivalry that we always love seeing between Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. Who, if whoever loses this game, I'll open it to anyone, whoever wants to jump on it. Whoever, whoever loses this game, who is more in trouble for the rest of the season? So, um, to be honest, who, if whoever loses this game, I see Joe Burrow being in more trouble. And, of course, the Bengals, because right now they're sitting at 5-5. Five and five. They would be, of course, last in the AFC North, and that is a hard. It is a hard division to play in. Obviously, they. I mean, they've won it back to back years, but the Rave. This, the division is competitive, very competitive. You have the Ravens with Lamar, and they're they're pretty exciting. The Steelers, who are I don't even know how they're six and three, they but are. of course Mike Tom Mike Tomlin's still their coach. A six and three Browns team who beat the Ravens, and then the Bengals who lost to C.J. Stroud and the Texans. But of course, they still have the they still have the pieces. They're still a great team. It's just a very competitive division. But I see Joe Burrow being in more trouble because the Ravens do play well against the Bengals. But of course, the last two times the Bengals did win. But I feel like, but my answer is the Bengals, in my opinion. Josh, Aaron, who's more in trouble? Because the Ravens have lost their last two, and with the Bengals, they're just out of the playoff picture. They're 5-4, and four, but they just lost to the Texans, who took over their playoff spot. Before Week 10, it was Steelers, Browns, and Bengals, but since the Bengals lost to the Texans, the Texans took that 7th seed spot in the AFC playoff picture. So the Bengals, they are in trouble, but the Ravens, they would be on a three-game losing streak if they lost to Cincinnati. Yeah, for uh, both teams, I mean, it, you can you can argue each way, like how how a loss would affect each side. But I think it would definitely affect the Bengals a lot more, just because they're they're on the outside looking in already, and a loss would mean they're even further outside trying to look in, compared to the Ravens, who are the second seed. Which, by the way, it does not feel like it. <laughs> I can I can say that about a lot of the AFC teams, but it the the Bengals obviously would be affected to in me to my opinion they would be affected a lot more with a loss just because you have the Colts sitting at the same just about the same record same thing with the Bills Raiders Chargers are creeping in and my my Broncos somehow some way are also on the, creeping up up uh, behind the Bengals so for them a win means a lot more than if the Ravens were to lose yeah the AFC is really contested when it comes to just the teams that are in the bubble there's teams well there's the Bengals that are five and four the only five and four team in the bubble but then you have a lot of five and five teams with the Colts Bills and Raiders in that order and then four and five teams that and there's three of them the Chargers the Jets and the Broncos after beating Buffalo so this AFC as we were talking about on Monday Aaron it's it's still really contested and since the Texans are now in the mix even with the Colts now a lot of things different things can happen we could see the entire AFC North making the playoffs uh, for the first time ever, or we can see some teams that we weren't even expecting to be in the playoff radar to squeak their way into the seventh seed. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Houston has been a great story, and so is uh, C.J. Stroud. and Their first-year head coach, Demito Ryans, um, they're doing a really good job down there. But um, I would definitely say the Bengals, you know, if they were to lose the game. I, I think the Bengals... For one reason or another, have just you know really not been all that consistent this year. You know they'll have a great week where they'll go out and um, you know even though San Francisco was banged up um, a couple weeks back, they they beat them by two scores. Um, but then they'll also have a week. You know you remember early in the year that blowout loss to Cleveland um, in in week one, and then the twenty seven to three route uh, at the hands of the Titans, and so they did play Baltimore pretty close in Cincinnati. First time they played this year, 27-24. Uh, I just, like, the, the the quarterbacks are so different. I don't know if I could, if, I don't know if I could say I prefer one against the other. I just think Lamar um, has just got that dynamic running element to his game where if the Ravens are in a pinch, uh, and he's become such a, such a better passer over the last couple of years, especially this year. Um, 
I, I think that ability of his to extend plays and, and just be one of, you can even argue, maybe the best runner of the football in the NFL, I, I think that gives them such an edge. Um, so, yeah, I think, again, the Bengals, they lost a shootout to Houston, and Houston has proved to be a good offense, a legitimately good offense with C.J. Stroud running the show. Um but yeah, this is go time for the Bengals. This is just a monster game for them because falling to five and five, again, just puts you right back into the thick of things where you're just uncertain. You have to claw your way through the, um, you know, through the cluster of teams that, like you talked about, are, are fighting for the last couple of those uh, wild card spots. Um, and also, you, I mean, with a win, the Bengals are uh, a game back to the division lead. With a loss. The Ravens at eight and three are two games ahead of Pittsburgh um, and Cleveland, and so that would kind of give them some separation there. So I definitely think the Bengals have uh, more pressure on them tomorrow night to go out and uh, and play well and, and get a win on the road, which is not easy to do in Baltimore. So. Yeah, well, the Ravens they've had their uh, fair share of issues closing out games, kind of like the Buffalo Bills. They've had uh, that they tendency. Have, they have, but I, I would trust the Ravens. I think I would trust. Har- John Harbaugh more in a in a close game than than Zach Taylor. And I, that's not a lot on Zach Taylor. I think he's actually uh, a, a really good coach. But you know that you had the Browns loss last week, and then you had the bad loss to Pittsburgh, where they basically for the entirety of the fourth quarter were begging the Steelers to come and 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 take the game from them, and they finally did at the last second. Um, but besides that, I, I, I think the Ravens down the stretch, close games, I, I think they've executed very well. So we'll see. With the Ravens, there's been a lot of talks of where they need to improve, and they've been winning a lot um, with this team that they've developed. 7-3, first in the AFC North, second in the AFC, and that would actually be the fit, fourth best team in the entire league uh, record-wise. But Ayers... Lamar Jackson, he's been in talks for MVP, but his stats aren't really kind of forming together as they did against his 2018 self. And I want to I want to put these stats out there for the for the viewers. I and I think for me, his stats are kind of being not looked at because of the way the Ravens have been able to win this season. He's been eight, he's lost he's had 10 fumbles already this season that have been and five of them have been recovered from the defense but he's also been sacked 24 times this season and it's week 10. Last year he already got he got sacked 26 times. The most times he's gotten sacked in a single season was back in 2021 where he got sacked 38 times. He's on pace to reach that again. But back when he was the MVP of the league he was already he was only sacked 23 times and looking at his numbers he's only thrown 10 touchdowns, five interceptions which isn't too bad, but 10 touchdowns on which is a which this is very good with 70% completion percentage which is the highest it's been uh the entire uh, his entire career. It's just the numbers on the touchdowns and the sack sides as well as the fumble side haven't been where they have been, and it's been costing them games down the stretch in the past few weeks. No, I definitely agree with all that. I'm glad you brought up the uh, the amount of turnovers. Cause people look at the interceptions. Well, he's not turned the ball over that much, but then you get into the, the amount of fumbles he's lost. He's just about matched how many touchdowns he's thrown, Yeah, wh- which I just – just watching Lamar play, just the Ravens' offense as a whole, they haven't been as – dynamic or have basically haven't lived up to the hype that we were hearing in the offseason in my opinion at least you know they get Odell they draft Zay Flowers Rashad Bateman's a good receiver Mark Andrews is there and obviously JK was there but then Achilles injury took him out for the season we still got Gus Edwards Justice Hill and the the rookie that they drafted uh I'm sorry Mitchell what's his uh first name I'm sorry Mitchell Keen Mitchell yeah. yeah played really good so it's just they have weapons on that offense but I just don't see it like I don't I feel like if they get into a shootout with say Kansas City Cincinnati that they're not able to match up because I don't know what it is exactly I think the offense just isn't playing to the standards I think they should be and the stats 
agree with me on that because Lamar should have way more than 10 touchdowns thrown, even especially because um, they got Georgia's offensive coordinator who's known to air the ball out, and it just hasn't really worked out that way for the Ravens. I just think the offense is a little too inconsistent, especially, in my opinion, Lamar lost that game against Cleveland. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, so I just I just think Lamar is not playing to how – you how, how do you expect? Because especially like you bring up the MVP conversation, I feel like the MVP conversation this year is like so open because I don't know who was MVP honestly at this point in the year. Yeah, we talked about it a few offsides ago. I want to say it was either last Wednesday or two Wednesdays ago. We talked about who our top five uh, MVP candidates would be, and in my honorable mention, I mean, I had CJ Stroud. I'm not. Gonna <laughs> oh lie. yeah, I was on that. Yeah, so he, I think he was. Like he's up there for it. Lamar is obviously in that top five. Could be Jalen um, Hurts too. Yeah, Jalen. You got Patrick Mahomes. I put Trevor Lawrence in there as well. Um, you you can give it to any of these quarterbacks, but um, and you kind of also have to think that Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown have a good case for it. Um, as we look over to both now the AFC and the NFC, but going back to the Ravens as we were talking about Thursday night football, Ray, do you think this is a a coaching problem or do you think this is a potential offensive line problem with these turnovers and uh the interceptions and the lack of touchdowns thrown by Lamar Jackson it's it's a low-key similar situation to the Buffalo Bills it's just that John Harbaugh has been able to find a way to win with this Baltimore team and the defense is really good yeah 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 of course as mentioned from the Bills how underperforming they are but the Ra- the Ravens on the other hand they've been they've been able to like get the job done in some in some of their games obviously like when they played the Seahawks last week before Cleveland they destroyed them when they played the Lions when they played Cleveland like in Cleveland they like they're able to do it but like again this again it, I know this isn't like MVP Lamar level but like uh, he's still a very talented quarterback so um. I I really do not I'm really like do not know who like the deep, like the deep problem of this is because well of course last last year they had Greg Roman at offensive coordinator and he was awful for them so and then he got fired but now they got Georgia's guy Todd Monken so as of right now I don't know I don't know if it is a problem they're seven and three I mean they, yeah they're seven and three they're but they're on a two game th- skid though too. Yeah, are they? I think so. They lost it last two. They lost to Cleveland. No, they're one game because. But they beat Seattle. Seattle. Yeah, they lost to Indianapolis Um, and then they lost to Pittsburgh. They have had bad losses. All three of their losses this year have been games they easily could have won. Um, Yeah, they. They're all like one score games. I think you gotta probably pin a lot of the blame on Lamar. I mean, I I was I, I was an advocate of his for like like through the first. Three or four weeks, I mean, I know it was really early, but I was like, you know, he could be having another type of MVP year. But, um, yeah, definitely the fumbles have um, have kind of uh, taken away from that a little bit. Um, I do think they have a lot of guys they can go to in the past game. I mean, you know, Josh listing them off. Mark Andrews is just – him and Lamar have kind of developed a similar connection or at least somewhat of a, of a kind of um, two-man game like Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey have. They've just got that kind of um, makeshift type of ability with each other. Um, Zay Flowers, great rookie uh, year so far. Um, OBJ, obviously, is kind of like that third guy. And then uh, Rashad Bateman on the outside. And uh, Nelson Adwar, too, hasn't been half bad. Yeah, so. hasn't been crazy bad, which I never thought I would say in my life <laughs> after the Eagles. But, but, yeah, I mean, the Ravens, they're – yeah, they're only on a one game skid. I thought they were on a two game skid. My apologies, but they no lost. Worries. They've been uh, they thought that or they yeah. have won these games very dominantly. I mean, you beat the Lions thirty eight to six, who mm-hmm. are second in the NFC. So that's that's definitely a, a focal point that Ravens um uh, kind of have to look on. But they lost to the Colts. The Colts always beat some really good team in the beginning of the year. They as, did that last year with yeah, the Chiefs. Exactly. That's what that's where I was going to get to. And um, but earlier this year, the Ravens did beat the Bengals at home. Uh, or when the Bengals were home, 27 to 24. So it was a rather close one back on September, uh, September 17th. And now they play them again on Thursday Night Football uh, tomorrow with kickoff at 8.15. I want to talk about another 
matchup that will be on Monday Night Football. This is game of the week. Super Bowl rematch between the Eagles and the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes going up against Jalen Hurts for another time. Aaron, this is uh this is going to be some must-see TV because it was a really close game in the Super Bowl. It came down to the uh, to a few plays that um, have Eagles fans saying like, oh, this it could have been our win if this didn't happen. Uh, I'm referring to the holding call and other things that could have happened in that game as well with just being the defense, being more aggressive, the mm-hmm. play calling and whatnot. But this is definitely a rematch with new coaches uh, for the Eagles offensively and defensively. Yes. And it's at, it's at Arrowhead, so it'll be in Kansas City. On Monday Night Football, the, the everyone's going to be watching this one, and it's going to be some fun to watch both on both sides. Yeah, I think both teams um, are obviously really well rounded. I mean, <clears throat> you know, Jalen Hurts again um, has established himself as I think pretty easily a top five quarterback in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, we know, is you know the cream of the crop. Um, although you know both guys, the interception totals are probably a bit higher than you'd like it to be with eight apiece. Um, they've been lower for Jalen Hurts in the past few games, right? But yeah, he, since it's been <coughs> since the Jets game, he's been pretty good. But it's I, for those first six, he's been a little bit all over the place. I think both teams have a legitimate run game. Swift and Pacheco are two pretty good backs. AJ Brown, Travis Kelsey. I mean, you know, I think the Eagles have a bit more weaponry offensively. Um, but the Chiefs' defense, man, is. <laughs> It's. I don't think enough people are talking about it. The Chiefs' defense is really, really good, especially um, the um, their cornerback pairing of uh, Legarius Sneed and uh, Trent McDuffie. Those two are really good. Um, the Eagles obviously have a great pair of corners as well. Need to get a little healthy um, still on the back end there for for Philly. Um, but yeah, I think this should be um, a really good game. I could see it being high scoring, but I could also see it. You know, maybe a 24-21 type of game. Um, I'm not really too sure. I, I, I think Hurts versus Mahomes is going to be a lot of fun. It will be a lot of fun. And I want to talk about the what Aaron uh, brought up, Josh, with the run game for both teams. Swift versus Pacheco. But Philadelphia has a top-five rush defense. So do you think that Andy Reid can pick apart this uh, fantastic run defense that Philadelphia has had? Or do we see potentially another run threat game where Andy Reid was able to do that in Super Bowl 57. I mean, obviously, if, it, if, it, if anyone would do it, it'd be Andy Reid. But I think it's definitely possible. But I think the Eagles defense will, especially because um, they know, like making stopping the run game for any team makes it real difficult for any offense to move. But especially for the Chiefs, if you can stop that run game, because if, if that run game is actually going, then Mahomes can just pick apart your defense because then your the defense has to respect the possible run off a of play action. But I think um, one thing I wanted to really get into was obviously someone's going to lose this game. And I think that really affects the, the playoff bracket in a way, especially if the Eagles were to lose this game because Dallas is only one game behind if that were to happen. And I don't think people are talking enough about how it's, it's possible. It's in the realm of possibilities. If they later on in the year beat the Eagles – they could take that division, potentially take the first seed. And it's the same thing with the Chiefs as well. If they were to lose this game, then Baltimore, Jacksonville, the Miami, the, the, the first seed for both sides, AFC and NFC, is just wide open for whoever loses this game. Yeah, and I think we'll get to know that um, by when we get to Aaron's offsides on next mo- or this coming Monday because we'll know who if, that, if Dallas is able to beat uh, only one win team of Carolina and see if the Ravens are able to beat – uh, the Bengals, see if Jacksonville can beat Tennessee and what the other matchups can be for uh, the rest of the NFC and the AFC. So this is a huge game for and a huge turning point for the number one seed for both conferences and who can really pull away or uh, maybe even fall away from the number one seed on either side. Um, but Aiden, how do you see the Super Bowl rematch going in Arrowhead uh, last time it was a neutral field, and Ch- Kansas City came up on top, 38 to 35. This time, Kansas City has the crowd on their side, and Philadelphia has to walk into a sea of red. I'm open for an exciting matchup between these two, especially this is a match, the rematch um, since that Super Bowl, since that Super Bowl, and of course it being at Arrowhead, where 
those fans go crazy there. Um, mm-hmm. as we've like seen on like like primetime games like this where their crowd gets fired up. But I re- I'm really I what I would love to see high scoring between both Mahomes, Hurts, all these offenses being explosive. But then like of course, as you mentioned, like the Eagles run defense seeing if they could, like, stop Pacheco, depending on what Andy Reid is going to, like, call, if they're going to pass, they're going to run, like... But to be honest, I'm just hoping for a great game between these two, and especially now since we're getting, like, a better Monday Night Football game yeah, uh, we, this week. Yeah, we are, and we'll see uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the call for on ESPN for Monday Night Football between the Eagles at the Arrowhead against the Kansas City Chiefs. So now we're going to get into the NBA. We're going to go from the gridiron to the hardwood and talk about the NBA because last night, not only it was it a physical night, there was fights that happened mm-hmm. that happened on the court for a lot of different teams. We'll talk about Draymond, Clay Thompson, as well as Gobert getting into it. Uh, I want to talk about that first because... Clay Thompson was dragging the guy down with from his jersey, and Gobert was just trying to break it up. Then all of a sudden, Draymond comes out of nowhere and puts him in a headlock <laughs> for no reason at all. Well, like I don't, I don't, I don't understand. And Draymond saying like stuff about him being him or whatever, um, like he can't be me, stuff like that on Twitter. But Aaron, what Gobert had nothing to do with that. He did not need to get headlocked for no reason. Yeah, I mean, you know, I. It's just funny too because it was barely two minutes into the game and these guys are already just going at each other. But um, yeah, I I guess when I was looking at it, you know, Clay gets tangled up with Mitt Daniels and they're kind of you know going at it. So there's some pushing and shoving. I didn't see any any punches thrown. No, it was just a headlock. It looked like it was. You a- know, they were getting into it and you knew there was gonna be a you know a mob and and. You know, there was maybe going to be some shoving and, and whatever. Um, but you thought it would be broken up. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then Rudy Gobert just tries to separate the two. And uh, Draymond says, screw it. I'm just going to try and choke this dude out. And, uh, I mean, it, it certainly is Draymond being Draymond. But at the same time, you got to have a little self-control, man. I mean, I, I just don't really see the need to to uh, put the guy, um, you know, again, in, in a chokehold there. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, with, with Draymond's history, I just wonder what Adam Silver is going to do. Um, because I, at the same time though, you know, it's like, it's all about setting an example. I'm not sure there's anyone else in the league that would even think about doing something like that, except Draymond Green. So like, are you really setting, I think everyone knows that you probably just don't go and, and choke a guy. You know what <laughs> I mean? Um, out of nowhere for no reason. Yeah, I, I, the Warriors, man. I mean, these guys are getting a little older now. You know, they've got to stick up for themselves. You know, you they're getting them a, cranky. They're getting a little <laughs> bit out of their prime athletically. So Draymond, you know, he's got to he's got to be the grumpy old dude who you know <laughs> is going to teach you a lesson. But at the same time, man, Get it's off like the lawn. <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, you, you got to have a little control, dude. I mean, not only does that say something about you as a basketball player. I think it says something about him. And I think Draymond is a great dude. I really do. I, I think he's, he's got to learn to channel it a, a little bit better. Um, and that's been a problem for him his whole career. Yeah. It's not just been this season. It's Look been at what happened last seasons. year with him and Jordan Poole. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, I mean, got a fight and that an ruined, actual fight. And <laughs> everyone in that locker room last year said that absolutely ruined the chemistry. There was no coming back from that. You obviously saw the Warriors, um, Want no part of Jordan Poole in the offseason goes to Washington. Um, so yeah, I, I think Draymond has got to he's got to learn from this because I don't know how many more chances he he's gonna get. Yeah, and Josh, what what were your thoughts of uh, this whole fight? I mean, it, it looked like me trying to wrestle someone in when I wrestled in middle school. Like this, it wasn't a good look on Draymond. Yeah, it's not it's not a good look for Draymond, but it's the look for Draymond. We're, we're not surprised at all that this is if we, if you were to say that this happened on the NBA court, it went probably the first thing you bring up, oh who put who in the cho- chokehold? It was probably Draymond put X player in the chokehold. In this case it was Rudy Gobert, which shout out to Rudy for at least having some self-control. I mean, it was kind of hard to do anything when you're in a headlock, but <laughs> Yeah, like, you could see his reaction. He was like, whoa, 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 what's going on? Why am I being put in a headlock? Right yeah, now? yeah. It was like after like he gets released from the headlock, he didn't try to like push the situation any further. It was I think Draymond said something that like 
Gobert grabbed Clay by the jersey or the throat or something like that. But even if that's true, Gobert was trying to separate the fight. He wasn't trying to like choke Clay or anything like that. He was trying to defuse the situation. But Draymond just made the situation a lot worse. And it's like like Aaron brought up, you know, like this team is getting older, and it's just. They, especially for a team like this who's been to the finals and won multiple championships, you expect them to have better self-control than they have. And I think they should really – I don't think Clay or McDaniel should get suspended. I don't think that should happen. I think Draymond should get suspended. I feel like at minimum it should be five games because especially with Draymond's track record, like you got to teach him. Like you, like at this point it might not be, might not be any teaching, but at least like – for the Warriors' sake, like, hopefully, like, he'll understand, like, you know, those five games he's not on the floor, like, because he's a good player. The numbers obviously don't make him look like he's that big of a factor when it comes to these games, but when he's not on the floor, you see it how the Warriors play, that they need someone like Draymond. So I'm hoping he does get suspended because he should get punished for this, and hopefully that time off the floor he'll realize, you know, I can't keep doing this because this team really needs me, and if we're going to win a title, I have to stay on the court. Yeah, for for the NBA, it also happened on another West Coast uh, pair of teams with Anthony Davis and Desmond Bain. It kind of it, it wasn't an actual fight that with like a headlock and stuff. There was just a lot of shoving and, and yelling. But still, Ray, this the NBA is getting pretty pretty intense nowadays. With huh. now Desmond Bain and Davis, this this all happened last night. By the way, this just didn't happen on uh like over once over the weekend and then once on Monday. No, this. Both of these fights, or yelling matches at least, happened last night. And I don't know, maybe it's the midseason tournament, Aiden, that's getting these teams rather feisty early in the season. Maybe, but like real stuff. What is this? A U? What is this? Like UFC? This isn't UFC main event that you're watching. Like, why are t- why on the same night you have Bain and Davis, and then of course Draymond just deciding, oh, I'm gonna choke Rudy Gobert like that, like this. Like, this isn't MMA, this is basketball, just, what are you doing? It's some crazy stuff, but I do, but, like, real stuff, like, yes, in-season tournament, like, they're trying this out, but, like, this is just, this is just crazy, it's just crazy, like, because you're just, it just, it can affect your team pretty bad, it can affect your team, and it's, like, it's, they, they need to, this kind of, like, needs to, like, stop between these players, because, like, don't want them going. You just don't want them to go crazy at each other, especially right away, like beginning of the game. Like just, you know who's no. licking their chops? It's Dylan Brooks. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know he's. Oh oh that. yeah. It's definitely it's definitely from that like Lakers Grizzlies like. <laughs> he's like oh series from like everyone's beating the April. Well, well, well. Now. <laughs> he's like it's my turn next. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I hope building, no one. I hope no one gets hurt, but I would. I would honestly love to see. They're Dylan building Brooks like a rivalry from. between these two. Or, I feel like. I well, guess who they play next? They play the Clippers. There's a lot of star talent on that Clippers team. So I, I'm watching. Maybe Desmond Bain just uh somehow just slaps the beard off of James Harden. <laughs> Yo, I, I think I think Bain. It was more kind of sticking up for his teammate because AD did. Um, you know he scores, and then I think it's Aldama who takes the ball out of the hoop, and they just kind of get tangled up, and mm-hmm. you know none of them are really moving for a second. AD's like. Get the hell out of my way! I think Aldama, you know, it's a bit of an acting job. Maybe I see him like hold his face. I'm like, all right, dude. <laughs> like, but yeah, at the same time, I think Bane going up in AD's face. You know, that's okay. I, I think what Draymond did is a, is a little extreme. It's like there's a better way to handle that. Maybe you grab Gobert from the shoulder, pull on him a little bit, and say, "Come on, come on, come on," or de- or try to get in front of him at least, man. I. I, I don't really respect you if you're going to go up from behind and start choking a guy yeah, out. I don't know. That's just straight-up disrespectful. I don't really know. Yeah, Especially if, like, Gobert's just straight-up, like, innocent of, like, nothing at all. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like all he's wh- trying to do is break Why down. are you going and choke, like, just straight-up choking him in the beginning of a basketball game? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, come I, on. One, one thing I wanted to bring up with the AD thing. First, did you guys see uh, John Moran on Twitter after that whole thing happened? <laughs> no, no, I did not. He, I did, yeah. he, he just tweeted a smiley face. <laughs> what the? Uh, and the second thing was, did you he see suspended. what Anthony Davis said after the game? Mm-mm. 
So obviously the uh, the Grizzlies got blown out, and AD and Bron didn't play in the fourth quarter. And I forget who asked the question, but they asked Anthony Davis, "Oh, when was the last time you guys? Uh, what's the last time you and Bron didn't play in the fourth quarter?" And he said, "Oh, I think it was Game Six against Memphis." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he has a lot of talk behind him. I mean, the Grizzlies have not been hot at all. The Grizzlies are two and nine right now. <sighs> yeah, it's it's not great. Yeah, by the way, one, one of those oh a team that's more pathetic is the team they beat is the Clippers, but that's a, that's another topic. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that a little later. When, uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll probably save that for uh, Mr. Counts for Friday offside. Oh, you know, Mr. Counts is going to get in. Oh uh, yeah, he'll get into Counts it. Counts will go crazy <laughs> with it. So, uh, but I want to talk about since there's been some heated battles in the NBA. Top five for today is top five player rivalries in sports that you think are the best to watch. So um, if, that, if anyone wants uh, I'll, I'll start with you, Ayers, because you have your Pop Flavor show at 6. Uh, whoever's listening now to Offsides, if you want to listen to Ayers' show at 6, go tune into Channel 1 on RunRadio.com at 6 o'clock. But Ayers, do you want to start off first with your top five favorite player rival player rivalries to watch? Yeah, I think um, I'm just going to list it off the, like, no specific order, just, like, five. Yeah, just name five. Yeah, just First one for me is obviously um, LeBron and uh, Steph, I guess. I, I don't even know if I can say LeBron and the Warriors because that's not player to player. But it's obviously, you know, Steph's the head of the Warriors and Bron's the head of the Cavs or whatever team he's playing playing for at that point, I guess. They were the head of the table in both conferences, honestly. Yeah, it was it was, it was a crazy time to be a basketball fan. But yeah. uh, another rivalry I would say is obviously, um, I would say right now would probably be Mahomes and I guess we're seeing it with Burrow, but I kind of just like Mahomes and Hurts honestly. Like that was a really fun Super Bowl. And we'll see it on Monday. Yeah, that, I think it'll be a real, really fun game. This might be, and obviously they're saying like I guess I could. My third one would be uh, Mahomes and uh, Burrow because they're they're classifying this as a new Brady and Manning, which I I don't agree with that because just that's just their own rivalry. They're not trying to copy off Peyton and Brady, but. My fourth one obviously be Peyton and Brady. Like yeah. that obviously that's a classic. Everyone, that's on my list. Yeah, everyone loved to see those games, even though it was more just, you know, quarterback versus that team's defense. But fifth one for me, let me think. Hmm. I would probably have to say obviously this wasn't one that I watched live, but it was uh Jordan versus the uh the Jazz. It was fun just watching like how those teams are kind yeah. of just kind of just like the uh the Warriors and the Cavs, like they were just constantly competing with each other. So yeah, I guess that's that's my top five. Good stuff. Uh, Ray, do you want to go next? Yes. Oh, I have like no specific order for this as well, but um. So yeah, obviously, Brady and Manning is obviously on that list. Um, both Brady and Peyton and Brady and Eli. Um, even though the Brady Eli is not too much compared to Brady and Peyton, but Brady and both Mannings. Um. I will mention um, Bron versus Steph from the 2010s. Oh, yeah. I like that. I'm going to get some hockey in here. Alex Ovechkin versus Sidney Crosby. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> one, dude. That is a great one. And I'm not even a hockey guy, but. Yeah, they've been long, since like 05, 06. They've been, they're both their teams like great rivalries on like the East Coast, and they've been exciting. Um, I'm still thinking. I'm still thinking. I, rem- I remember when like, hold on a second. I'm just, I'm thinking like a baseball one for a second. Um, I can give you a baseball one. One of the, one on. of, it's kind of not a big player one, but I still love the uh, player rivalry between, uh, which is on my list. Javi Baez and Amir Garrett. I mean, <laughs> I remember that when he stirred his bat as. A I'll st- say one like an in, that's like hatred rivalry, like player rivalry. Mike rivalry. Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that is a good one. That's a good one. Um, and then, uh, I'm. S- this is. I'm just, like, still I got, thinking. I have a question for you, Aiden. What's up? Who's better all-time, Cindy Crosby or Alex Ovechkin? <laughs> Goal-scoring Ovechkin? No, 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 oh. just better player. Crosby. Okay. All right. Um, but, yeah, Um, and then. You got one more? or? Yeah, I still have one more. Okay. Um, Sorry. I'm going to say, I just, even though it's. Of course, like and of course, like the normal debate, like the MJ versus LeBron. Um, even though they they both played in different eras, but since we keep hearing it all the time, MJ and LeBron. Yeah, honestly, I mean, it's it's a rivalry that uh, we didn't really get to see too much, but uh, it's a rivalry we will ever be talking about to the day we die at this point. So, yes, Aaron, 
what do you think uh, your or what do you have as your top five for most interesting player rivalries to watch? Yeah, I'll go with UFC actually first. This is one that hasn't UFC. Okay. hasn't been relevant in a, in a while, but I know you guys remember the trilogy between Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. Those fights were so good. They were. Um, they were Conor only McGregor. the the second fight between them was canceled, and they ended up fighting again and. Um, that nearly went, um, or it actually did go the distance there, um, with Connor winning that one. But yeah, they, those two hated each other, man. They really did. Um, and that was kind of during Connor McGregor's reign, uh, as a two division champion in, uh, in the UFC. So, um, I thought that was, uh, a good one. Again, they haven't fought in almost seven years. So, you know, again, at this point it's, it's a little irrelevant, but, um, I think one that has – it's kind of died down because they've played on the same team before and all. But um, I always enjoyed Russell Westbrook and, and Patrick Beverly. Uh, those two are definitely type A personalities, both of them. And, uh, I, was not gonna, I was not expecting you to say Pat Bev. I was thought you were going to uh, say Pat Durant. Bev, man, you did say all you want about him. I would love to have Patrick Beverly on my team any day. Oh, yeah. Any day. He's uh, – He's a guy that doesn't. He's like Draymond in a way. I think a little temper, a more tempered, but he he doesn't give a you know what. He'll do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick Beverly and Westbrook. You, there's obviously the famous clip of when Westbrook got hurt because Beverly ran into him after a timeout, right? Um, which you know that's not cool, but that kind of sparked their rivalry there when when Beverly was with Houston and and Russ was still with OKC. Um, you know, I'll take a cop out here. I'll go Steph and LeBron. I mean, obviously the two greatest players I think we can agree of of the 2010s um, for sure. And uh, they met in the finals. How many times in a row did they did they meet in the Three. finals? Four. Four, four in a row, It was 15, right? yeah, it was 16, four. 17, and 18. Then four. 19 was Raptors Warriors. <sighs> Crazy. I, I mean, you know, just everything that LeBron had obviously already done in the 2010s. Um, he, go, he goes to Miami. Um, you know, he, he gets a pair of championships there, goes back to Cleveland and he's expecting with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love to continue to dominate. And all of a sudden this kid, Steph Curry starts a dynasty of his own. Um, and, uh, there were some great matchups along the way, some great regular season matchups too. A, a couple of the Christmas games were really good between yeah. the Warriors and the Cavs. So 2016, yep. When, uh, Kyrie hit that game winner and then, uh, Richard Jefferson was dunking on people, man. It was crazy. <laughs> um, player rivalry. I don't know if this really counts, but I would go A-Rod and Bid Poppy back in the day. I mean, no, that would count, yeah. Red Sox and Yankees have obviously always hated each other. I think there was a point when A-Rod was um, kind of later in his Yankee career that him and Bid Poppy would kind of get into it a lot. and um, Now they're good friends, you know, Um but uh, yeah, they definitely had some uh, some vitriol towards uh, towards each other, and uh, the one that I think was a little short lived, you know, maybe only lasted a couple of years, but definitely a very memorable moment was uh, Odell and Josh Norman um, oh, going yeah. at each oh, I other. Not about that one. Norman obviously then goes to Washington where they're gonna play twice a year, and obviously that had its uh, its moments as well. But obviously the one everyone remembers is when they were just. They were they wanted to kill each other. The undefeated the undefeated Panthers against like the six and seven Giants. Yep, the undefeated Panthers in 2015 and and Odell and Josh Norman just getting into it, man. So yeah, that was such a fun game. Yeah, for me, for when it comes to uh, player rivalries, I have a few from the three main. I have the obvious Brady and Manning. uh, That's like my my comp out right there is Brady and Manning. Um, for the, but I also have for the NFL, I have, this was one that I like to watch when I really started getting into football. I like, I really was a fan of Roethlisberger versus Flacco though. They met each other twice a year and those were just so fun because both of those teams were really, uh, big Ben and Joe Flacco, both in their prime. And they were just going at each other twice a year, whether it be in Pittsburgh or Baltimore. They're fun to watch. Um, I as I said earlier, Javi Baez and Amir Garrett. My goodness, when when Javi Baez stirred the bat, that was kind that of that was insane. hilarious. That was insane was against Amir Garrett too. <laughs> that was that was nuts. Um, also, a lot of people don't really remember this, but this was uh, short lived. Shaquille O'Neal and Dwight Howard had a little bit beef here and there. That yes. that was super fun to watch. And then my, I would guess, favorite one would be when. Uh, uh, so 
I'm a Thunder fan, and I, I it was fun to see the rivalry that is still kind of there, but it was mainly it was mainly there when Russ was with OKC when he had that rivalry with uh, Joel Embiid. That was uh, they were those guys were barking at each other mm-hmm. both uh, in the two times they met each other each year, and uh, both uh, both fans on in either stadium would. Uh, have fun with it as well. Westbrook loves to get into it with the bigger guys too. Like he's yeah. just not really. He doesn't afraid. back down at all. No, he doesn't, and you gotta respect him for that. So yeah, but we covered a lot today. A lot of NBA. Uh, well, actually, a really ton of NFL, NBA here and there. But um, we haven't gotten into any of the MLB stuff um, just because it's just. We were, I'm trying to save it for 10th inning. The stove is cold, man. The stove is cold for MLB as the season is over for them for the next three months since pitchers yep, and catchers. it's free and, agency time. Yeah, nothing really brewing in free agency either. Um, it's just rumors. They're just wait. Yeah, it's just rumors at this point, and they're just waiting for the MVPs for uh, tomorrow to be announced for the AL and the NL. But for Aaron Hook, Josh Ayers, and Aiden Ray, I'm your host for Offsides on this Wednesday. Jack Miller, we, t- uh, we thank you guys for tuning in and have a great rest of your Wednesday night. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m., for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.